Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Thanks, thanks, Pastor Nick. <laughs> thanks for helping me. Um, good evening, church. I hope you're well today. I hope you're good. I hope you're blessed in the Lord. I hope that the Lord is working His grace out in your life in a wonderful way. That's my prayer. He's good. Amen. Anybody agree with me? He's good. He's good. He's good. Hallelujah. He's good. I tell you. He's such a wonderful God. I'm so thankful um, for my church family. I'm so thankful for my pastors and leaders. I'm thanking God for my wife and son. It's good. It's a good thing. God has done wonders. Amen. And he's doing wonders. Scriptures say that he's awesome. He's mighty. And he does wonders. And um, I'm thankful. And um, I'm nervous. I'm just going to go for it anyway. I'm always nervous. (laughs) I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, I, it was a, you know, a bit of a day uh, trying to figure out what exactly the Lord might want me to say. But I do believe I have an encouragement from the Holy Spirit to the church. Amen. So I'm going to pray. Will you pray with me? And let's go. We'll get into the scriptures. Lord Jesus, you're a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God. You're a marvelous Savior, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord Jesus, because you first loved us. That's the truth of the cross, Lord, that while we were still your enemies, you came and died for us. How can it be? How can that be, Lord Jesus, that you, my King, would die for me, Lord Jesus, that you would shed your blood for for people, Lord, far from you, Lord, to bring them in, Lord, to bring them into the Father's house, to give them a seat at your table forever, Lord, and to give us assurance, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are the most assured people on the earth. We may not have assurance for tomorrow, but we have assurance for eternity. We know where we're going. We know who we're going to spend eternity with. Hallelujah. Thank you for the cross, Lord Jesus, and for this wonderful salvation. Not simply that you would give yourself that we might have life in you, but all the things you give us that we might have joy in you as well. Thank you for our families Thank you for our loved ones. Thank you for the church of God, the house of God, opening up again. Wonderful news, Lord. New believers, believers can sit under an alpha course, God. We've got, we've got the cafe opening up again. It is wonderful, Lord. It is wonderful. And I thank you that the church of God, Lord, there's just no stopping her, Lord Jesus. Every ism has has come and gone and we are still here and you are still building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And we pray tonight, Lord, we would see you clearly. Lord Jesus, we would perceive your love again the way that we ought to. Clearly, Lord Jesus, I pray that I would disappear and your grace would be manifest and every person in this house would leave with their head held high and a song in their heart that says, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me and I belong to him and I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Well, um, uh, just a welcome again to you if you're in church tonight. And if you're watching online as well, God bless you. Uh, I want to talk to you today about hidden crosses. Hidden crosses. Um, I read something online that I loved. Uh, it's true. It said, be nice to everyone you meet because you don't know what they're facing, what they're battling, what they're going through. It's true, isn't it? It's true. We, can't, we don't always wear it on our face. We don't always say it to one another. But each and every person, each and every believer goes through their own trials, their own difficulties, and they often do it without anybody knowing. But I want you to know tonight that heaven knows. God knows. God sees. God is aware. God is aware. So we're to be nice to everyone we meet because they're fighting a battle that we know nothing about. And I want to talk today about crosses, the crosses that you and I carry that only heaven knows about. That only heaven knows about. So I want to go to Matthew 20, verse 20. And I want to look at a passage of scripture that's quite familiar. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, because it gives me hope. It gives me hope because even the disciples who would become apostles at one stage were immature in their faith. Amen. They were immature. They had some growing to do. And if we're honest, we all have some growing to do this side of eternity. So that's, uh, that was sort of, uh, you know, you know, I'll read it anyway. Matthew 20 verse 20, a mother's request. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said, we are able. And that word able, when you look in the Greek, it's dunamis. So we have the power. We have the ability. In my opinion, they answered far too quickly, far too quickly. But they said, we are able. And Jesus said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers but Jesus called to them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever is great among you must be your servants and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. Amen. So they're jostling. Jesus is walking probably an earshot and he can hear his disciples going at it. Who's the greatest? Who's, who's the greatest amongst them? And it's amazing. Jesus had to deal with his disciples jostling for, per, per, for position. They had a preoccupation with status and glory. They wanted the best seats in the house next to Jesus. Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, make sure you save me a spot at the head table. Have you ever been to a wedding and been at the head table? It's a funny thing, isn't it? Uh, I was, uh, I did a wedding. I officiated a wedding the other day, um, not the other day, uh, July of last year. 
And um, it was an old friend of mine, but they actually put me at the head table and I felt out of place, really, really out of place. I'm there with my wife and I don't know really, I sort of, this man's an acquaintance and I sort of don't know anybody else. I felt out of place, but yet there's a part of all of us that wants that sort of attention, that sort of recognition. And that was the problem. That was the immaturity of the disciples. And that is the mindset of the age we live in. We're all about appearance and influence. We want to be seen. We want to be recognized. And this was the issue. This was the problem. And Jesus responds in a really interesting way. He says this, if you want this, if you want to be identified with me in my glory, there is a cup for you to drink and a baptism that you're to be baptized in. Folks, we, I think a lot of us can get caught up in the idea that somehow size or notoriety or popularity equals the blessing of God. Well, if it's big and if there are a lot of followers on Instagram, God must be in it. And I want to tell you clearly now, that is not the economy of heaven. God doesn't care about human glory or influence or anything like that. That is not God's economy. And it was something that he had to sort of teach his disciples They thought it would be all about big names and big ministries and flashing lights. And Jesus says, no, it's not those who will sit to the right and left of me in glory. It is those who will drink the cup that I drink from, the cup of suffering that I'm going to drink from, those who are going to be baptized into my death into the cross. You see, they pointed to a crown, but he pointed to a cross. They pointed to a crown, but he said, no, the way up is down. See, you've got to be a servant and a slave and a sacrifice. Downward, he was pointing down to humility. The way up is down. That's what he wanted them to understand. The way up, the only way up is down. Matthew six twenty four, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was saying, before you enter into my glory, are you willing to enter into my sufferings? There was a call on every believer to pick up uh, their cross and follow Jesus. To pick up their cross. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight. There is such a thing as a believer's cross. Amen. There's such a thing as a cross for every believer. Hudson Taylor said this. Carrying the cross does mean following in Jesus' footsteps. And his footsteps are rejection, brokenheartedness, persecution and death. There are not two Christs. An easygoing one for easygoing Christians and a suffering one for exceptional believers. There's only one Christ. Are we willing to follow his lead? Folks, there's a cross for each and every believer. And I want to talk a little bit about it because there are some public and there are some private crosses in the life of every single believer. There's a way to look at trials in life as a Christian person. 
There's a way to look at the difficult things that come into our life, that God allows into our life. And there is a call tonight to embrace those things, to see them as something to embrace. And I want to explore that. Listen, how do I embrace my cross? How do I embrace what God has allowed into my life that puts me to death and pushes me closer to him? Well, folks, every cross has a purpose. It's there because it has come through the hands of your father. So it is there for a reason. Every cross in your life has a purpose. Everything you deal with, everything that you suffer, everything that you endure in life has a purpose. It doesn't just come to you. It has to come through the hands of your father who is in heaven. The father who loves you and died for you while you were still his enemy. You are his child, purchased, redeemed by the bloody shed for you. So if it's in your life, it's there for a purpose. Even if you don't understand, even if you don't see, even if it doesn't make sense. When we read the book of Job, we get the benefit of heaven's perspective. But Job didn't. Job didn't get the benefit of heaven's perspective. Job didn't know what was going on in heaven when the things that happened to him happened to him. When tragedy after tragedy from nowhere came into his life and piled on him and he had to embrace it. His wife simply could say, curse God and died. Hardly faith, but can you blame her? For what happened? He lost his children in a day, his livelihood, and then his health. He couldn't see or understand, but heaven knew all, heaven understood all, and heaven had permitted all because God was after his glory in Job's life. There is an embracing that must come. There's a, there's a saying yes to what comes in. It can't all be roses. Every rose has its thorn. Amen. Like the song says, and we're called to grab it anyway. Anyway. It's come through God's hands. Someone needs to hear that tonight. God has allowed it. And I'll tell you this too. Every cross, if it's from God, comes with an empty tomb. It's a two-part deal. God, anything that God leaves into your life, any trial or difficulty that God allows in, yes, there will be a time of difficulty and testing, but there will be an empty tomb. There will be a resurrection. There will be an amen. There will be a moment where God takes you from that place and restores you. Peter talks about suffering trials if necessary, but only for a moment. They must be necessary if they're there. We have to, we cannot allow difficulty to change our perspective on God's character and pull us away from the simple truth that he loves us and his purposes will prevail in our life. Every cross comes with an empty tomb. Heaven sees all, folks. Listen to Psalm 56 verse 8. David writes this. You have kept count of my tossings, my wanderings, the moments where I stray in my heart or in my thinking. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not all in your book? God knows 
every tear that you and I have shed in those silent moments where we have endured things seemingly on our own. And folks, I want to go on here tonight because there's a grace that God allows us to walk in, in that place as we begin to say yes and carry that cross. And I'm trying to, where I'm going with this is I want to show you that when Jesus pointed to those two seats next to him in glory, when he spoke about those two seats in his presence, he wasn't talking about people who ran big ministries. He was talking about people who endured much and carried a cross and did it, trusting and believing sometimes when nobody even knew there's grace and suffering. There's a grace that we're called into. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says this of Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shear is silent, so we open not his mouth. With Jesus, we're not just called to carry a cross. God calls us to carry it the way his son carried his cross. You and I are called to suffer and graced to suffer in a certain way. In a certain way, I remember my family, my dad used to own sheep. (laughs) He used to own sheep. And um, we actually used to bring them to be butchered. And I will never, ever forget what it was like to drive those sheep to be butchered. They, they knew where they were going. It's the strangest thing. I mean, they were just sheep, but they understood. They knew where they were going. Their ears went down and they were silent. It was the strangest thing that a sheep would understand that it was going to its death. But I remember even then thinking about that passage of scripture and seeing the truth in it, that Jesus, even when he went through the things he went through, he didn't open his mouth. He didn't protest. He didn't fight. He didn't push back. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. In First Peter 2 verse 21, Peter says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Peter says that this pattern, this, this pattern of Jesus, the way that he suffered, the way that he carried his cross unto death, is an example for you and I as believers to carry our crosses through life. He says it's an example. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the, to the one who judges justly. It's amazing. That pattern, that love, the, that the Savior would do that, suffering the way that he did. And we're called into this as believers. You and I, you and I are called into this and we are graced for it. And the call isn't just to carry our cross but it's to carry the failures of others. See, sometimes the heaviest crosses in life can be relationships. They can be the people in our lives, their shortcomings, the difficult things that we endure in relationships, and we have to carry it. Come carry that invitation to come carry the failures of others, the shortcomings of those you love, 
to be conformed to the likeness of our Savior, not just his glory, but also his suffering. Jesus is inviting you and I to participate in something this, mo- this evening. Come and carry the failures of others. Come and carry it. Come and identify with that. Come bless those who curse you. Come suffer without opening your mouth to show the love of Jesus under the burden of your cross. There's something about a saint of God who draws grace from the Savior in those relationships that are difficult, those marriages that are difficult. No one knows behind closed doors except heaven. And you're drawing from grace and you're going and you're loving that spouse and you're loving that child and you're loving that individual and you're bearing up under the weight of their failure. I want to encourage you. You are being conformed to the pattern, to the likeness of the Son. You look like Jesus. That's Jesus. That's the Savior. Every time you're let down by that individual, every time that individual falls short and you bear up under it and you continue to show love and you bless and you don't curse and you pray for them and you don't come, you don't put that cross down and you don't get down off that cross and use the power or the authority that you might have, but you stay on it for their sake, loving them. Loving them in their brokenness. You're becoming like Christ. That is what Jesus is inviting us to. Folks, this is deeper than saying thank you for the cross. This is about saying thank you for my cross, Lord. Thank you for the cross you've given me. Not simply the cross you died for me on. But the cross you've given me, it's doing something to me, Lord. It's pushing me out of myself and into you. It's pushing me closer and closer to your presence. Lord, if it wasn't there, I wouldn't pray like I do. Thank you that you kept me on my knees. In time, saints of God, Christian person, you will say, thank you for the crosses you gave me, Lord, that have kept me on my knees. They've kept me close to you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing. Blessing. Jesus, the God who never came down off that cross to defend himself, but prayed and entrusted himself to God. And the invitation that Jesus extends, you pick up your cross and follow me and come and love and give and forgive without return. Come and pour out forgiveness with all humility and practice peace at the expense of your pride. Come and love without return. Peter in Matthew 18 verse 21 asked Jesus, Lord, my brother sins against me. How many times should I forgive him? As much as seven times. And Jesus said, Simon, (laughs) seven times 70. And some of us are here going, okay, 490. I can do that. Grin and bear it. White knuckle it. But 491, that is it. That is it. That's not what Jesus was saying. That's not what he was saying. First of all, by, four, by seven times 70, he was saying as many times as that brother comes to you seeking forgiveness. And even when they don't, it is in, 
it is it is incumbent on you to forgive not because not because of his behavior but because of what I did for you too many of us only limit the love of God to the love we receive from the person in front of us well that person has only treated me in this way or that way so that's all the love I can really give them I'm only mirroring the love I receive from people well Jesus says no I've called you to mirror the love you've received from me I'm calling you to love them in the way that I have loved you to forgive and forgive and forgive again and bear up under them because I bore up under you and folks just in case you were thinking it's 490 different offenses it isn't it's the same offense 490 times again and again and again and again and again can somebody hear me tonight again and again and again as many times as your brother transgresses you forgive him because he has forgiven you the cross has not lost its power. Its blood, the blood of Jesus has not lost its power over your life or the life of that person who's transgressed you. If that person is a Christian, that transgression is under the blood. Don't uncover it. Don't uncover it. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. What would Jesus do? Remember the bands, the wristbands. Folks, maybe it wasn't that much of a fashion crime after all. A reminder. It's funny, it fit on the wrist. On the wrist where he was pierced through. It's a funny thought, just thinking out loud here. Lord, remind me. The next time I'm, I'm struggling with this person or that person. The next time the load of that person the cross of that relationship comes to, becomes too heavy for me to bear. Remind me that you were pierced through, your wrists pierced, were pierced for me. St. John Vianney said, you must accept your cross. If you bear it courageously, it will carry you to heaven. That thing that's bearing you, that thing you're bearing, is the very thing that keeps you close to the Lord Jesus Christ. The cathedrals wrote a song, and the song goes, there is room at the cross. There is room at the cross. Well, folks, there's room on it as well. There's room on the cross as well. And the invitation is to come and die. God, help us. Help us move from the simplicity of just thanking him for the cross he died for us on. To thank you, Lord, for my cross. Thank you for my cross. I'd like to talk about Paul for a little bit. We know this passage so well. 2 Corinthians 12. I might read it quickly here. The Apostle Paul understood something about thorns or secret crosses or hidden crosses, burdens, things that God allowed into his life for him to carry. I'll just read it to you. Paul said this. Verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I love Paul's attitude. He had things in his life and he begged the Lord, Lord, would you take them away from me? There are thorns in my flesh. I know they're there to keep me from getting conceited about everything I know about you, everything that you've shown me. But Lord Jesus, would you take them from me? And the Lord said, no, I won't. My strength is perfected in your weakness. But folks, I want to go a step further. I want to go a step further because my prayer for all of us tonight is that we would say this, Lord, thank you for what you have allowed and not taken away, Lord. So Paul was boasting in the thorns, the things that came into his life, the insults that you have to deal with on your own, by the way, when someone insults you and no one has the interest enough in you to listen and you have to process it on your own. The hardships, the difficult things that you can only process before the Lord. You need to know that heaven knows, but you also need to know that it's doing something. That weakness is bringing about the strength of God, but also the presence of God. And I want to look at that for a second. We need to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for what I carry by your grace that only you know about. Those thorns that only you know about, Lord. The thorns that did not just perfect your power, but brought me closer and deeper into your presence. I want you to remember Matthew 20, 20, because I'm going somewhere here. That the people who carry the heaviest crosses, the people who deal with the deepest thorns, end up deeper into the presence of God. So the disciples were sitting, asking, who'll sit at the right or at the left of you, Lord? And Jesus was saying, you don't get it. It's not about your name or some big ministry or some big light above your name, some tent, some Instagram profile. It's about the crosses you bear that bring you on your knees into my presence. Folks, those people at the left and right hand of Jesus, they're there already. The crosses in their life have pushed them into that place. They're already with him, seated in that place, that proximity, that closeness. And they're not looking around at who might see where they are in the scheme of things because suffering has given them a single focus. They're just looking at Jesus. Suffering has taught them to look at Christ only only. And that's where we end up, folks. That's why it's in your life. It's in your life so that you will keep your eyes on him. And that when it's all said and done, there will be a seat at the table for you. And by grace, you're already sitting in it. Every time that cross brings you to your knees, it gets so heavy, you end up on your knees. And that is exactly where God wants you. He wants you close. And this is the way. I wish there was another way. I wish there was another way. But there is no Pentecost without a cost. There's no life in the Spirit without a cross. It's not there. It's not possible. Jesus, thank you for the thorns that did not just perfect your power, but your presence. The things that kept me close to you in close proximity 
and no one ever knew. No one ever knew. I have two examples here. Think about Billy Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, and her marriage. She is open about the fact that she was in a loveless marriage for years, trapped in a loveless marriage. I think that that is one of the most tragic things, to be in a marriage where things like that are missing. They're not there on the surface. Somebody coming over for dinner or, or, or just entering into a brief conversation would never know it. But the tears she must have cried on her pillow, working through those things, and heaven knew all along. And the Bible says that things, the Bible, <laughs> she said that things changed when she began to bring Jesus back into her marriage. It's amazing. When you start to bring the reality, no, Jesus hasn't abandoned me. He's with me. This has a purpose. He loves me. Heaven knows I'm not alone. God, I'm on my knees and I'm asking for grace to carry my cross. Folks, he's still carrying our burdens. He's still carrying our burdens. And it's the grace we receive. It's the sweetest grace we can receive as a believer when those things bring us to our knees it is it is it is it is literally breaking bread with the son of god it is literally that it is feasting in his presence on his presence i was struck by the death of chadwick boseman as well chadwick boseman we know him the marvel actor black panther died at 47 after a secret war with cancer for four years colon cancer he told nobody a believer by all accounts he told nobody continued acting made movies but didn't tell a soul and went through sickness carried that cross and he carried it all the way home the lord took him went to be with the lord i think it's amazing the grace that God can give to a believer. He still made movies. Amazing. He still made movies. Even one stage there, he made a video. He was emancipated. He was thinner. It didn't look well. And um, the internet, being the internet, attacked him and made fun of him. And he said nothing. He didn't respond. He didn't blurt out, well, I'm, I'm dealing with illness. God had graced him to bear up under it. I wonder what his prayers must have been like. I wonder what the presence of the Lord must have been like every time he called out to God and the Lord allowed him bring his cross all the way home. God is caught, God, at a certain point, there's a maturing that comes into the heart of every believer. And there's an embrace, not just of the cross of Jesus Christ, but the crosses he allows into our lives. And you know, for those people, just to close, for those people who will be seated on the right or the left, and Jesus said, only the Father knows. Those people, we won't know their names down here. We won't know their struggles or their stories. They carried invisible crosses, many of them, here on earth, but they're well known in heaven. And your every part of what you face is known by God. God knows. God knows he knows and he's going to bring you all the way home there is a seat there is a seat and the crosses you bear push you into that place where you may already be occupying it and that just struck me so i want to pray can i can i pray tonight
with, with you all. I just want to pray. Jesus, Lord, tonight I just want to pray for every saint of God in this house carrying a hidden cross, carrying something, Lord, that only you know about, Lord, something that only you see. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that that cross will also, at the right time, carry with it an empty tomb, a moment, Lord Jesus, where you bring us up and out from under the things that we've borne by your grace, and you establish us, Lord, in those close places to you, Lord Jesus. I think that that's amazing, Lord God, that we can sit at your right and at your left and be in your presence, Lord. Help us to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for the crosses you allow into our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my crosses, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you have allowed into my life. Lord, I would never have known you otherwise. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, and I worship you, and I just pray for your body right now, your people, Lord. Grace them, Lord Jesus, to carry their cross another day. Grace for another day. Grace to love, grace to forgive, grace to overlook, grace to keep hold of that thing, Lord, and entrust themselves to you. You are able to raise the dead, to raise any situation. And at the right time, Lord, there will be, resin, there will be great, exceeding joy when we stand before you as perfect. And that is the promise and the plan. And we stand in that tonight. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.